like so many other things, when we say a few years ago, sometimes we're talking about a decade ago. But I remember there was a song by Donnie McClurk, and it said, we fall down, but we get back up again. Amen. Our message today is, once again, based off of James chapter 1. And as last week as we gathered, we said we're going to be in the book of James for weeks, if not months, as we travel through this marvelous book. And last time we were together, we began looking at verses 1 through 4. And today we're going to primarily look at verses 2, I mean 3 through 4. And our message once again is entitled, Knocked Down But Not Out. Knocked Down But Not Out. During a Monday night football game between the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, one of the announcers observed that Walter Payton, the Bears' star running back, had accumulated over nine miles in his career in rushing yardage. The other television announcer remarked, yeah, and that's with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. Walter Payton, one of the best running backs to ever play the game, knew that everyone, even the very best, got knocked down. But not all get up. As the children of the Most High God, the key to godly success is to get up with the help of the Lord Almighty and run the race of faith to the glory of God. This morning, we're going to look at two points, the purposeful jab and the perfect result. As we begin our journey together, let's look at this first point, the purposeful jab, and we find these words in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Last week, as we began our spiritual journey of the book of James, James declared, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And as we close, we started talking about how we can have this joy, how we can consider it joyful, how we can reckon it joyful, because it doesn't seem to make sense to say that we are to be joyful when we face these various trials. This morning, we continue this voyage and set ourselves by embarking on verse 3, and the first word we see there is knowing. Knowing is this concept of keeping one's mind, keeping one's focus, remembering one's purpose. When you think of some things, I, I came with some illustrations. I said these are some beautiful illustrations, and it was focusing on this concept of purpose. When you're up to your neck in alligators, one person said, it's difficult to keep your mind on the fact that your primary objective is to drain the swamp. And this one, when I saw it, it really made me feel old because it said postage stamp. Now, some younger people don't even know what a postage stamp is. They think everything is FedEx or UPS. But there used to be a day where people actually wrote letters, not taxes, wrote letters. They had a piece of paper. You know what they actually did? They wrote in cursive. Nowadays, we know we can't write in cursive because that's too difficult for the kids. But we used to write in cursive, and we would write a letter. And when we wrote the letter, then we had a little envelope, and you had to go have some stamps. My mother always had a book of stamps. She had two or three books of stamps. So how many letters are you going to send? She always got a book of stamps. I, I might run out one day. 
I can remember when a book, uh, one stamp cost eight cents. In January, one stamp went up to 55 cents. But the thing about a stamp was, once you had the proper postage on the stamp, at least they had one attribute that most of us could emulate as believers. They stuck to that envelope until it reached its final destination. What if we had one purpose of mind that I'm not going to let rain, sleet, a bad post office, a bad mailman, mailwoman, I'm not going to allow anything to stop me from reaching that one purpose that God has for me in life. Hmm. Purpose. Purposeful. James shared with the saints, the trials are inevitable, but we will be able to race and face those trials with joy if we understand the ultimate purpose of the trial. If we allow the Lord to mature our faith in the midst of the trial. See, some of us want to get closer to God. We want to be intimate with God. We want to be known as mature saints, but we don't want to go through the trials. You know, we keep this mindset in so many other ways. I remember when I was younger, and you got a long time ago when I was younger, but I remember the day I got married, I was like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, I kind of gained an answer since then, so I was like 6'2", and my weight was 155. I was like a little stick. You know, when I went to South Carolina, her family would say, he's pole. And they, 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 they wouldn't put the old R on there. He's pole, Wanda. He kind of got to put something on him. <laughs> Some of us, you know, we see these bodies and we see them on TV and we want to have a body like this person, but we don't want to put the work in to get the body. So we'll try to look for short ways to get to it. And God is saying, no, you can't get mature with me. You can't get intimate with me. We can't be close if you're not willing to go through the trials. James reveals that our trials will grow us up in the Lord. Our trials will be used by God for our good. But we must trust in the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. We count it all joy if we understand why we are going through it. If I know the purpose of the trial, it allows me to be able to go through the trial because I know God is not doing this to hurt me. He's doing this because he loves me. Right. He's allowing this trial to come into my life so that I can grow closer to him and he can grow closer to me. Nietzsche is a worldly person, but Nietzsche says, he who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. If I know why I'm going through this, if I know why I'm on this earth, the how I go through this earth doesn't bother me because I got that purpose of mind in my mind. I know there's a reason for this. But many of us, if we don't know the reason for the trial, if we lost focus and all we're seeing is the alligators and we forgot what we were supposed to be doing, our focus now becomes, on there's a whole bunch of alligators here. And God is saying, don't forget the purpose. It takes faith on the part of, that, of the Christian to trust God during testing. But knowing that God has a divine purpose in mind helps us to yield to him. 
Because see, part of the trial is not the trial itself, but it's us yielding to God, our master. See, some of us don't handle trials well because we won't yield to the authority and the sovereignty of God. Hmm. For we do know that if we never face trials, we would never learn to trust the Lord. Now, don't miss this. And, you know, I'm a tickler for words. I like digesting and and breaking words down because I know God has the words there for a reason. So even when you look at that little short verse 3, and it starts off with knowing, the next thing that he talks about in that verse is that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But if you read past that too fast, many of us insert a word that's not there. We say the testing of us. But the text doesn't say the testing of us. It says the testing of your faith. Don't miss that. The trial is not to test you. The trial is a test of faith that you confess that you have in him. Not faith in faith, faith in him. Do I trust you enough, God, that you know what you're doing when you allow this to come into my life? I'm testing your faith, Delbert, when this happens in your life that you don't understand why because you forgot the purpose of the trial. So let me get your attention to remember what the purpose of this trial is, is to bring you closer to me. And when you come closer to me, you're not coming complaining. You're coming with a smile. You're considering it all joy. Because, God, you're working on me. You want me to get closer to you. As messed up as I am. As jacked up as I am. Oh, you say amen on that. Amen. I saw his nod and all that. He wants to draw closer to me and me to draw closer to him. The testing of your faith produces endurance. Some translation says patience, but we'll break those words down in a minute. James pictures faith as a precious metal which is being tried by God to remove the impurities our faith possess. Now, if you didn't know it or not, all of us have impurities in our faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have impurities in our faith to God So God allows there to be testing. God allows there to be this concept of heat. He allows this concept of fire. He allows this concept of, I'm going to put your faith through the test. And how am I going to put that faith through the test? I'm going to use such things as persecution. I'm going to use such things as sickness. I'm going to use such things as suffering. I'm going to use such things as sorrow. I'm going to use such things as financial problems. I'm going to use all of these things so that your faith can be tested. And all the impurities of your faith will be burned out if you allow me to test your faith. James declares that testing our faith produces endurance or patience. Patience may be defined as to abide under. And the Greek is dokismos, is applied only to those who persevere under the test God sends or God allows. I like what one person said. They said patience 
is true patience is waiting without worrying. Mm. See, some of, our, some of us say that we are patient, and God says, that's not my definition of patience. My definition of patience is you are able to go through this trial without worrying. You are able to go throughout this trial without complaining. You are able to go without this trial without murmuring. See, I know at times I can be impatient. You know, and I'm usually impatient with those people who are closest to me. People that aren't that close to me, I, I can show a lot more patience because I say I ain't going to see you for a long time, so I ain't got to deal with you. Those that I see every day, those are the ones I can be impatient with. So we had, when we came back from Aruba, we had one car. So people said, I can do it with one car easily, okay? <laughs> I had a job at her school. I said, the car just sitting in the parking lot while I'm at school. Wanda, you can use the car when I'm at school because all it's doing is sitting there anyway. The one caveat was, I get off at 2.45. So when I'm, I'm at the clock, when Nina know I'm at the clock, 2.43, I'm, I'm first in line. Other people getting ready to punch out. No, no, I'm first. Because I'm leaving at 2.45. And I got my mind ready to do what I got to do up until 2.43. 2.44 is starting to run out. 2.45, I'm ready to go. Now once I come out the building and I look around, <laughs> And ain't no car. <laughs> then I'm tapping my foot. I'm walking. I'm looking. I get in the car. Wanda says, something up with you because you ain't talking. She already know what's up with me. It's 258. <laughs> Jesus didn't come because I didn't get caught up. So you late. Can't you hear the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 5, 3, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. He's constantly teaching us the same principles, different ways, but you keep seeing that word knowing. It's that understanding that don't you know, don't you understand that God's tribulations that we are allowed to go through have a purpose, and that is one, to bring perseverance. So then that question becomes, what is perseverance? Perseverance does not include a quitter's mentality, a no-moss no -moss mentality that we talked about last week with Roberto Duran. Too often, saints quit on God. No amen. Should have been a lot of ouches, because you knew Pastor wasn't going to leave it there. Too often, saints quit on life especially when facing trials. So when trials come in there, if it's a little one, we say, I can, I can handle this one to the glory of God. I got this one. Now, another one comes that's a little bit bigger than that one. Now we're ready to quit on God. We start becoming impatient with God. We start telling God to hurry up and get me out of this. And God is saying, no, this is supposed to be creating perseverance. Perseverance is a choice and act of the will. It's not only a choice and an act of the will, but also it requires brokenness. And that's the part that we don't want. And that brokenness is a willingness to allow God to be God in the midst 
of my hurtful trial. God can allow some things that will bring us to our knees. God can allow trials to come into our lives that will make a grown man cry. And now God is saying, are you going to quit on me? Or are you going to trust me? So we'll quit on God and start looking to other things and other people to get us out. You got believers, and I'm using that word nicely, believers that are going through a trial that will spend God's money to call a 9-1 call for an astrologist to tell them when they're getting out. We got believers that will listen to people who have not named God and Jesus as their Lord and Savior and will run to hear what they got to say on the matter. And God is saying, why are you running to this dark person when my word is telling you what to do? My word is telling you why you're going through it. My word is giving you the purpose why. You running home to watch Dr. Field. You running out to see if there's any old shows of Oprah. What will she tell me to do? Really? And God is saying, I'm Lord. I'm God. God is saying, even when I'm going through the hurtful trial, perseverance is rejoicing and praising God before during and after. Mm. See, if you're not in the practice of praising them when things are going good, <laughs> how in the world are you going to be good at it when things ain't going good? So when we have praise time in the church, I always say it's all be like popcorn. I shouldn't have to sit there and I can almost close my eyes. I used to always know, it's going to start over here with so-and-so. Then it's going to come over here. Then there's going to be a little lull moment. I'll say something about we should be like popcorn. Then I'm going to hear from the same people all the time. And you know what other people say? Well, I was going to say something, but the other person I know got up before me. Really? I done heard us talk in the church. I heard us talk outside the church. We ain't got no problem talking over one another. And when some of us think we got something worthy to say, we ain't worried about taking turns. But now when it comes to praising God, we're going to be polite and take turns. Well, guess what? God can hear more than one praise at a time. Praising him, knowing that God is worthy. Someone said without trials, we would never develop endurance. Well, the question then becomes, how can you and I persevere in the midst of a trial? Because God has given us his word, not saying if, but when. So he's trying to tell us these are the things that you can do to be able to continue to give me praise while you're in the midst of a trial. So I know all of you guys want to know because you know you're going to be in trials if you're not in one already. So one of the first ones is to pray to persevere. Now we can sit there and hear this when you say, well, that's an obvious one. Well, before you say it's obvious, let's break it down. To be honest, one of the hardest things to do in the midst of a trial is also the best thing to do in the midst of the trial, and that is to pray to God. But some of us, if we honestly look at ourselves, we know if that trial starts getting more and more intense, 
the fire and the heat start getting stronger and stronger, it normally doesn't lead to us praying more and more. Because the part of us starts saying, what's the use of praying? Because it seemed like when I was praying, I didn't get what I wanted. And what I wanted was for the fire to be put out. Praying draws us nearer to God if the praying is godly prayer. Because every prayer is not godly. Uh -uh. Godly prayer is not to turn God's will. Godly prayer is not to bargain with God to get him to do what we want him to do. Godly prayer is not screaming to God, no mas, no mas. Godly prayer reminds us that no matter how intense this trial gets, your grace is sufficient. Oh. See, we, we ain't, some of you ain't been in the fire long enough because we just got to feel hey, hey, man. <laughs> Paul was in a trial with the thorn. We don't need to know what the thorn is. You know, my foolishness and my ignorance, if God don't tell me what the thorn is, I ain't going to waste time trying to figure out, I know it was a physical one. I knew it was a spiritual one. I knew. You don't know nothing because God didn't tell you what it was. And anytime God doesn't tell you something, then you ought to be able to have enough sense to say, I don't need to know. Because now my focus is off point. My focus is now trying to figure out what the thorn is. God is saying, don't try to figure it out. Just understand the principle of the thorn. And now he's telling Paul, three times I prayed, take this thorn away. Then God had to finally tell him, no, my grace is sufficient. Sometimes you're going to be praying in trial. It's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. But I got to remember in my mind, your grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. The end result of godly prayer is having a heart that is more in line with God's will. See, if I'm praying in a godly fashion, his will is my will. His desire is my desire. And now I'm in alignment with them. See, a lot of us can pray, but sometimes they're not godly prayer. And when we say amen, we are still in disalignment with God. Two, active relationship in the Lord. Read his word, listen for God's voice, then do. It's nice to have Bible study. Nice for you to have your little personal devotion time. All those things are nice. All of those are ways for us to begin to do what we need to do. But whenever we're reading or studying God's word, I'm supposed to be trying to hear what God is saying in his word. And normally, whatever God says something in his word, it normally leads to, now what are you going to do? See, some of us are professional Bible studiers. Some of us are professional workshoppers. Go to every workshop to open up. Guys, I'm glad you attended that one. When are you going to put into practice what you learned in 2004? But I like workshops. Okay, that's nice. God is saying, 
as a believer, you ain't a workshop professional. You gain that information, then now you're asking God, how do I apply it? Because he's not giving you the information just so your head can get bigger and just so you can quote more scripture. Amen, amen, amen. Three, know it, would, it will get better. So I'll probably get some shots on this because this is like, so know it will get better. Knowing that better days may not come when we want them or how we want them to, but we still remember the word. All things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So now I'm not just quoting Romans 8. I'm going through this trial with Romans 8 in my head. I know things are going to get better because he's working on my behalf. I know things are going to get better even if I leave this earth because he tells me the next place I go is better than where I am now. But see, a lot of us don't believe that. See, a lot of us believe this is heaven. And you have no desire of leaving. So they said there's a train at 12 o'clock all aboard. Some of you will start moving your watches back some of you would hide trying to think that's going to get you away. But God is saying, I'm promising you, if I don't heal you down here physically, I'm going to take you to a better place. Yeah. Do you believe that? And we'll say yes until the time comes. Then when the time comes, we clench into the bed, and they're like, let, her, let go, let go. I used to tell Wanda, so she ain't here today, so she, she can't say amen. So we, I used to always mess with her, and I, I would say, my first question is, is this covered by the insurance? <laughs> and then I told her, blink one time. If it's yes, two times no. <laughs> well, I'll be screaming. I didn't blink my eyes. I said, yeah, I did. I saw you. You blinked yes. You blinked yes. Four, no, it won't get better. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. First, I said, no, it will get better. Now I'm saying, no, it won't get better. The reality of our lives is that we live in a fallen, broken, messed up, hostile world where sin exists. Life is not fair. I don't know how old you are. We got some kids who are a little bit younger, but those of us who are a little bit bigger, we ought to know life is not fair. So why do we keep crying and complaining when, quote, we don't think something is fair? Life does not exist without trials. Bad things happen. Sin is presence all around us. But praise the Lord, there will be a time when there will be no more sin around us. We will not think sinfully. We will not act sinfully because we will be unable to sin. Mm. God promises that for his children. And the last one, Persevere with others. Now, others here, and whenever I say others, I'm not including unbelievers. I'm talking about others in the family of God. We should never attempt to navigate trials on our own. Mm. We must allow God and our brothers and sisters in Christ to bear some of the pain, some of the burden, some of the sorrow. 
When you're going through a trial, do you ever think, some of us are so bad, we don't even think about sharing it with God. We're thinking we're so strong. We're so spiritual. I've been knowing the Lord so long. I can do it by myself. And God is saying, I ain't never asked you to do it by yourself. You always got to at least do it with me. But then he says, I've given you brothers and sisters. So all you got to do is read the scripture, and the scripture keeps talking about bear up with one another, forgive one another. What do you think those scriptures mean? When one of us are hurting, going through a trial, I don't care what size church you're going to, if you ain't got one brother or sister that you can go through the trial with, either there's something wrong with the church or there's something wrong with you. I ain't got one person I can go through with this on. I ain't got one. Really? Really? Do you not have one because you chose not to have one? Or maybe the one that God gave you to go through the trial with, you don't want to go through it with them? You start saying something like, I want them knowing my business. I want them knowing my business. Then suffer alone. Cry alone. Have a nice wet pillow. And then after you get done wringing it out, and you still ain't done it what God told you to do, you know what? You'll go get another pillow. And you'll cry that one wet. And God said, when this person going to realize, quit wetting up all these pillows and allow me and the brothers and sisters in Christ to allow you to go through it. Don't persevere alone. Don't think that make you mature. Don't make that think that makes you saintly because it's the exact opposite. Amen, 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 amen. Two, you guys said we're glad we're off point number one. Two, <laughs> the perfect result. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There was an illustration given by um, Joe Stoles, who was the former president of Moody. And he said the Greeks had a race in their Olympic Games that was unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. So then Joel Stoll says, I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for God's glory. Paul was saying something similar like that, what, what Joseph talked about today in 2 Timothy 4. The torch that we have, is it lit for God's glory? Some of us, I think, whether we planned it or whatever, we have the mindset and we're living the lifestyle that God is going to have to drag us across the finish line. We just going to make it <laughs> to heaven and God just dragging us there. We ain't running strong for him. We're not on fire for him. We're not passionate for him. And some of us say, well, you know, well, Pastor, I used to have fire, I used to have passion, but, you know, now I'm getting older and I can't do it. And I say, well, what do you do with a man like Caleb in the Bible? What do you do with him? When it came to, like, who's going to get what land, who's going to get this land, and who's going to fight for this land, Caleb said, give me mine. He's 80 years old. We know what we all be saying. I'm retired, I'm done my stuff, let the young ones do it. It's still as long as you, God said you ain't finished yet. You know you're finished when you hear the boop. Yeah. 
If you ain't heard the boo, boo, and I ain't heard the boo, you still got something to do. It may not be what you could do at 20, but it can't be something that you can do now at 80. Perfect means being finished, that which has reached its limits, being full and complete, wanting nothing. Maturity, God wants his children to be mature, perfect. God knows our maturity is developed only in the laboratory of life. This time while we're on the earth, when you see sometimes those tombstones and they'll have the date that you was born and that dash or that hyphen and then that next year when you departed, what are you going to be doing with that dash? So I, I go to some, when I go to funerals and I sometimes look at the tombstones and you'll see on there, beloved mother, beloved father, love this, love this, love this. And I'm, I'm wondering why I haven't seen one yet that says, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I was planning to. I ain't seen that on there. That's just like when, when some of us do funerals and stuff and you see the program. And you're looking at this picture, and this person 80 years old, and you look at the picture, and this is a kindergarten picture. <laughs> what is this? What is this? They didn't have a dash. They didn't do anything between there. They didn't run a race during there. Or you read the obituary and they said they accepted the Lord at a young age. Then after they accept the Lord at a young age, is another blank. You saying you didn't see him do anything for the Lord? There's nothing you can put in this program that says this was a child of God and this is what they did. I don't care if they could barbecue. I don't care if they could knit. Those are the accolades of unbelief. A child of God, you got to be listening to what this person did for the Lord. And if all you got is at a young age. Are you going to be one of those young age people? You going to be one of those when we look at the program and nothing in there? Because you really ain't done nothing for the Lord? You just accepted them and then just waited through until it was time for your departure. He says, let endurance have its perfect result. It has been said, sometimes when problems materialize, we become desperate and use frantic means to cut short the trial. Consequently, we sometimes extend the duration because of our futility of trying to make it shorter. God is saying this trial is going to last as long as it takes for you to learn the purpose. So if you want to be in kindergarten for 10 years, you'd be in kindergarten 10 years. You're going to learn this purpose or lesson, and God is going to see to it that you do. But having some of us try to speed God along, having some of us try to help God out, and God said, I don't need no help. I know exactly what I want to be accomplished through this purpose. And what I want to be accomplished through this purpose is for you to look more and more like my son. Hmm. Last thing we got.
By cooperating with God, we will become mature, well-rounded Christians, lacking in none of the graces of the Spirit. Well, what are some of the graces? Well, we see some of the graces in these verses. One is joy. Having a mindset of joy, even in the midst of the trials. He's not saying to have a mindset of positive thinking. That's, once again, that's worldly. We ain't worldly people. Amen, amen, amen. We are godly people, so we are to have the mindset of joy. It doesn't mean that we have the mindset of grin and bear. It doesn't mean that we have the mindset, don't worry, be happy. It's the mindset that I have joy because I remember the greatness of God, the awesomeness of God, the sovereignty of God, that I remember that I know that he's working it out. He's conforming me to his son's image. And because I know that, I'm not grinning it and bearing it. I'm not being happy and singing songs. I'm joyful because I know what God is doing with me. Two, knowing. Knowing my trials are designed by God for good and not evil. Knowing that my God loves me and he desires me to look like his son. He's not worried about you looking like your mother or father. He's concerned about you looking like the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last one that we saw in verse 4, let. Meaning cooperate. Give in to the testing. Allowing the trial to do its job in my life. Submitting and surrendering to God. Some of us don't want to be broken. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to submit. But God is saying, saints, peace, joy, blessedness only comes through submission to the will of God. You cannot have peace. You cannot have joy. You cannot be blessed unless you are willing to submit to God. You can have all the false peace, all the false joy you want. God says you're not going to have true joy, true peace, true blessedness unless you submit to who I am. So the question is, do you have peace? Do you have joy? Do you have a sense of blessedness? Even while going through the trial. Or is your peace, joy, blessedness interrupted by each trial you face in life? I was happy last week until, I was, I was blessed until, I had peace until. What is the until in your life that's interrupting your peace, joy, and blessedness? Because God is saying there's nothing that should come into your life that interrupts that. So now we can kind of know it intellectually, but God is the type of God saying now you know it intellectually. Now we're going to see if you put it into practice. So I don't expect any calls this week unless they praise calls, saying I'm going through a trial passage, Danny, but it ain't interrupting my joy. It ain't interrupting my peace. It ain't interrupting my blessedness. I ain't going to get one of those calls to people crying. I can't really understand what they're saying. You don't know what, you don't know what came in my life. You don't know what my kid did. You don't know what my spouse did. You don't know what the job did. Don't need to know. Because you're supposed to be able to understand my God is bigger than any of that. And nobody is going to interrupt my joy, my peace, my blessedness 
with my God. And in anything, when a trial comes, it's going to draw me closer. I'm going to get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer with you. And I thank you for allowing these things to come into my life that brings me closer to you. How many of us have been knocked down? How many of us have allowed trials of life to knock us out? God is saying the count is 10, but you still got an eight and a nine. It's up to you if you let the trials of this life to hit 10. If you call out to God, God says, there is no knockout in my children's life. There's knockdowns, but not knockouts. Because my children have faith in me, and I reward that faith in me. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your marvelous word. We thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us once again to travel through this word. As we always know, your word is not given to us just for information's sake, but your word is given to us to transform us and conform us into the image of your darling son. We thank you, Lord, for how you used James. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity throughout last week for you to speak to my heart. And Lord, I pray that I have said what you would have me to say today so that they may hear what's on my heart that came from you. And Lord, I pray for any brother or sister here who is here today, that they allow these words to resonate in their lives and give the praise to you. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we say all these marvelous things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. amen. So as we reflect on what has been said today, we always know that that first